That's okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's a situation that was... Uh. <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it fun? Do you have fun, Robert? I mean, I like it. When, I like the bit when we won. That was did good. We? That was good. I mean, that bit was good. The whole three points thing. Three points, but what did it cost? We know how much we paid for it, but what did it cost? Ah, I mean, it cost me ninety minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, in strictly chronological terms, ninety minutes. But I think I was dropping off fairly you fell so you full on fell asleep in the first half yeah i did yeah. i did i yeah. did i did and uh, i'm not ashamed about it because hearts did nothing to keep me awake fuck i was jealous <laughs> <laughs> welcome everybody to we have no cares we're back for another uh, scintillating installment of hearts uh, storming the championship season 2020/21 slash mm-hmm. hearts were away at our broth this evening at glorious gayfield great club great people Thank you. Um, and they put up uh, an incredibly dogged and stodgy and uh, in some way, if I was an Arbroath fan, I would be very happy with that performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stodgy and, uh, you know, with, with Dick Campbell on the bench, staunchy uh, performance. If <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Andy Halliday, I can't say anything. Um, yeah, I, I think... After Arbroath's uh, capitulation against Wraith Rovers last week, I think they were always going to be a lot more defensive and hitting on the break kind of performance. Uh, and that's exactly what we saw. Um, unfortunately, what we saw from Hearts was a team that didn't really know how to deal with that very well uh, when they came up against it, which was massively annoying and incredibly boring uh, for a long part of it. Well, extremely disheartening because you have to expect this will be the sort of uh, performance that we face an awful lot in the league, uh, particularly at Tynecastle. So, I mean, Dundee did did not follow that uh, template one little bit. No, no, but, no, no. But you have to think that us, as the by far favourites for this league, will face packed, organised defences looking to hit us on the break quite a lot. And we had very few ideas today. Yeah, no, absolutely, but I'm not sure we'll come up against a team that is as well organised as a Dick Campbell team is. Um, you know, looking at other teams in the league, Morton are currently playing Robbie Muirhead at left wing back, for example. Oh, wow, that's yeah. a, that's an approach. Yeah, so, you know, that that's the sort of thing. So I think uh, absolutely yes. I mean, the, the main thing is we still won the game and we still created enough chances in that second half to win it. Um, but it was, it was, there was this worrying... Worrying signs all over the park um, from players that, not that they weren't up for it, they just didn't know how to handle it. Um, and there wasn't much in the way of cohesion uh, from certain players. Well, right, so I, I want to tell you three strands. Uh, uh, offensive shortcomings, defensive shortcomings and overall shortcomings. I think the overall shortcomings we can look at just in both phases, both sides of the ball, Hearts players wanted more time than they had. Yeah, yeah, just incredibly slow on the ball, and Halliday and Lee uh, in the middle were 
the, the biggest culprits of that. I think every time we actually got the ball to Liam Boyce's feet in that first half, uh, he held it up and he got out to the wings quickly and made a run into the box. He was playing with an urgency that we wanted to see. Um, but the midfielders and after Ginelli went off the wingers um, just weren't doing enough in terms of you know being that outball and, and being that player that can drag us up the pitch, which means we're playing in the final third. When you play a majority of the game in the final third, you will get chances. That's going to happen. We didn't do that. Played in the middle third way too often, passed it around the back, which is all fine and well for keeping possession, trying to draw them out of position. But when you come up against a team that's really well organised, drawing them out of position is really hard, which means we then thumped it long uh, out of play for a goal kick about 50 times in that first half. Mm. Absolutely soul-destroying um, to see us reduced to that because essentially the midfield players, be that central or wide, uh, were not giving us anything uh, to play with, which was... Massively frustrating. Well, the traditional way that you uh, break down a compact defence is to defence. Did you like that? Oh, <laughs> oh. oh buddy. <laughs> All right, Tex. <laughs> I was up late uh, last night watching the, the Giants versus the Eagles, which was bizarrely an even worse game than this one, <laughs> quality-wise. But never mind that. Never mind. Uh, so the way that you traditionally break down a compact defence is uh, to go wide, to stretch them. And now, we had some of that in the first 10 minutes because Ginelli was looking uh, bright, he was a great outlet, and he was keeping them guessing. Freer was there. Uh, and then Ginelli got injured. And it exposed a shortcoming in the squad that I hadn't really considered before, but we tried to replace Ginelli by committee, and it never really worked. Well, basically, we, we just didn't have an outball. We didn't have a natural wide man on the right-hand side. Uh, Elliot Freer, for... All that he is or isn't, um, isn't really that out ball. He's not got the blistering pace um, to take the ball and then take it further up the park. He will always take the ball, look inside or look backwards. Uh, similar to Jordan Roberts, actually. That's his kind of style as well. Uh, but it basically meant that the ball kept coming back into the middle of the park for us because Michael Smith didn't have that winger in front of him that he could use. He had Craig Whiten. And for all that you know, Craig Whiten is good at, He's not an out-and-out -out winger. He'll always look to, to sort of drive into the middle. Again, he'll look to come backwards because he's not got the pace to go past his man, which meant that on that right-hand side, essentially, our growth allowed us time with Michael Smith on the ball because we didn't have the ball to go after it. Um, and they squeezed the left-hand side because that's where Elliot Fear was. That's where our one actual piece of width was, which meant we couldn't go that way either. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we, we just didn't have an answer. When we when we did have half answers is when we went centrally through Boyce again because his hold-up play is that good. Um, he can bring players further up the park. But generally speaking, it, it was just pish. Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed like we had set out with a game plan of trying to find the wide players, Ginelli and Freer, to stretch them. Uh, and when Ginelli went off, we didn't have an answer for that. Now, full credit to our growth, they defended very, very well. Yeah. But it, it felt like less as a problem of what happened when the players that were playing wide got the ball in order of time, probably Whiten followed by Walker, followed by Boyce occasionally, and then Lee for like the last sort of 10, 15-ish minutes when we went 4-4-2. Um, those players were nominally in that position, but they weren't taking up exactly the positions that Ginelli was that meant he was easy to find. Uh, I, I felt it was that initial finding the player in the good position in the space to then create something that was the issue. Like We did eventually get the ball out there, but once they were, they were 
sort of in the channel a little bit, they were more closely marked, and it meant that nothing could really come of uh, the positions they found themselves in. All led to um, one-on-ones where, say, Whiten's indecision cost him. He, he didn't choose to go around the keeper. He tried a tame shot. Walker had a tame shot at the near post as well. Uh, that's what I felt the issue was there. Like We'd set up to find width, and when width wasn't there, we didn't have uh, a plan B. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, but I think the chances that you mentioned, uh, White and Walker and latterly Boyce, who blasted over as well, was actually a signpost of us doing things right again. Uh, we mm-hmm. were finding the space in behind. Uh, we were drawing them out, we were drawing their back line out, which meant that we had space to get in behind them, which is where Jamie Walker got in, which is where Liam Boyce got in, and where Craig Whiting got in. I think that's when we actually started doing things semi-correctly again. I think the issue was before that, because basically... I mean, before that, Whiten was still playing in a wider position. Uh, he was dropping a lot deeper. When we don't play at his strengths, we're not going to be a good team mm-hmm. because he doesn't have the skill set to drop deeper and be that player that Liam Boyce eventually did become in the second half when he did drop deeper. Um, and I think that when we started playing Whiten off the shoulder, actually that's when players like Boyce and Walker got more time because Whiten was taking the defenders away. And he was actually running them and making sure that they kept moving, which is why we got three chances, which were essentially one-on-one with the goalkeeper. That's not a bad thing. I think the bad things were very much the majority of the first half and the start of the second half, which is where we just... We had a shape, but the shape wasn't working in the slightest. Um, right, OK, I, I take your point, but can we at least agree that the... If we take your point that the the methods were good when we were getting in behind and those chances were created... They weren't particularly high quality chances. Like they weren't chances that you would say we definitely should be scoring from there. And even Craig Whiten's goal that even Craig Whiten's goal that he scored wasn't necessarily a promising position. It was an incredible finish from White, and then we'll come on to that and give the goal the full praise that it deserves. But they're not um the the XG wasn't particularly high on d- any of those I chances. Disagree. You disagree. Okay. Disagree. I think Whiten's first chance when he should have gone round Gaston, um, mm-hmm. but didn't he hit a shot which I mean, if he'd lifted it, I think it would have gone over Gaston. It probably would have been a goal. It was just, it was pure indecision. He should have taken it wide uh, and didn't. If he wasn't doing that, he should have lofted it and he didn't. He just sort of hit it along the ground and Gaston put his legs down. Liam Boyce's chance, you have to fancy him for scoring that. He was like nine yards out on his right foot, on his stronger foot. Mm. He had a player that was rushing in from the side but was nowhere near him when he hit the ball. It was just a complete mishit. And when you're Liam Boyce, he should be scoring that goal. Uh, Jamie Walker's was poor decision. He should have squared it for Whiten. Um, mm. So I, I think that's definitely the outlier. They're good goal scoring opportunities. They aren't half chances. That's players one on one with a goalkeeper. And when you're a striker, one on ones, you should be scoring them. Nine times out of ten, you should be scoring them. Okay. Um, on the other side uh, of the wing equation, uh, we saw the Elliot Freer that Motherwell fans warned us about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, oh. just, the, just the heart of an asthmatic vole. He's, just, <laughs> he's just so weak. He's so weak. He doesn't. So weak and gets discouraged so easily. Now again, he doesn't really. Both, pre- our both defended well. Our both won all of the 50-50 challenges. They were much more physical than us in our attacking third. But he got so discouraged so easily. And he doesn't press. He doesn't. He doesn't pe- press up on the the fullback at all. You know, he, he sort of stands there in a place where he is not affecting the game even slightly, and that's really annoying. What we saw when Eddie White came on was rushing them into decisions and rushing mm. them into passes, which meant we won the ball back quite often in their half. 
because that gave us something. Elliot Freer, I mean, I'd, it's one of those it's one of those performances that was so poor that you feel for him. You know, it's yeah. like his mm. touch was all over the place. He wasn't getting past his man. His crossing wasn't particularly good. He had one fantastic strike on goal uh, right before he came off, which was just wide. I mean, that would have been an absolute wonder goal. Yes. But, I mean, anyone, I say anyone can do that, but really anyone can do that. Anyone can hit the ball uh, from distance and it might go close. He didn't affect yeah. the game positively, really, in any way whatsoever. He didn't He didn't look that up for it. And that's that's really concerning when we're going to be going away to places like Arbroath quite often. And we've got a semi-final against Hibs next week. He did not play himself into consideration for that game because he, he was just so poor. I mean, A.D. White. Fucking mm-hmm. A.D. White. The wet, the wet pigeon that is A.D. <laughs> White has probably got a better chance of starting on the left wing now because fear was just nowhere. And um, it's very interesting because um, for for all the, the criticism that we just had of, of Freer, A.D. White actually very rarely even entered the final third. His, his Not with the ball. Work, not with the ball, no. His best work was done uh, sort of about 40 yards out, like just beyond the halfway line. But he was harrying, he was hustling, he was winning the ball or at least disrupting our both playing it out enough that they made mistakes. And in a weird way, for someone who didn't get as far forward as Weir, he was a much more positive impact on the attacking play for Hearts. Yeah, because that gave Halliday and Lee um, more time in the midfield. Yeah. Because he was essentially occupying guys that were like, fuck, right, this guy's come on and just running at us for... I mean, no good reason, it feels like. <laughs> this guy's just running at the ball wherever it may come. He, and... loves, a, he loves a run. He's he loves, he he loves that. I mean, we saw against Dundee that he's clearly very angry for some reason. Maybe he's he's finally realised that his hair's going. But like, or possibly he's just listening to us talk about him, Robin. <laughs> very possibly, yeah. I mean, hopefully Robin Nielsen's saying the same things as me about him. But yeah. <laughs> That's, that would be a unique approach to management, I will say. Listen, some players like an arm in the shoulder. <laughs> some, <laughs> some, others some, like to get told that they're terrible. Some, some like to be brutally humiliated in a borderline psychosexual ritual. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, uh, Lee and Halliday there, and, and you mentioned them earlier in uh, when we were criticising the attacking point of view. I actually thought of them more as the flaw defensively. Because our both had a lot of, well, not a lot, but they had more chances in the first half. And I felt that our defence as a unit played fairly well. The chances came because the, the midfield were more or less waving them through. And uh, I think Halliday was the biggest culprit there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, especially for like Doolin's chance in the first half um, and chances towards the end as well. That I was slightly worried about Popescu's positioning. Uh, mm-hmm. a very fun sense to say Popescu's positioning he was he's just seemed to be like a yard deeper than Halkett at all times which allowed them that time and space that, that was a wee bit worrying but you're absolutely spot on in saying that not necessarily waving them through but giving them channels to pass through well, not the, making, Lee, not, Lee and Halliday did not play as a partnership they played as two central midfielders they weren't making the decisions that would cause problems for our both no absolutely not and you know Halliday um as good as I think he will be when he reaches fitness for us, isn't there yet? He came on against Dundee and he, you know, he played well as a, an impact player mm. later on in that game. But he, he was not good today. He was a passenger in that midfield, and that's in a midfield that had Ollie Lee in it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's that was the partnership did not exist. It's like they weren't talking to each other. Well, it's what now. This is largely theoretical because they haven't played a lot together. 
but it's the sort of uh, performance that makes me think that our ideal partnership is Haring and Irving because I mean Lee can play well we know he can play well but this was another game where his passing was wayward where his impact on the game was minimal and for all that possibly at this stage of his career Irving doesn't quite have the quality that Lee has and this is arguable but you you could make the case he at least tries and his intentionality and his drive creates problems for the opposition and moves the team forward in a way that Lee taking his time, misplacing passes, being just a bit of a flannel doesn't really help the team. Irving always goes forward. Mm-hmm. He'll always take the take a touch in the half turn and look forward and he'll be he'll take more risks. He's high risk, high reward, uh, Andy Irving, which when you've got a guy like Peter Haring or potentially Andy Halliday next year, you can get away with because you've got a guy that will sit further behind, which means if the pass goes wayward, you've actually got a bit of cover there behind you. Um, Ollie Lee just seems really cautious this season. And I think that when Ollie Lee was at his best, you know, um, Peter Haring is his Mario's hat. That's where all the power comes from for Ollie Lee. It's the only way that he can play well is if Peter Haring's there. (laughs) That's an understanding of the Mario games that tells me that you've mostly played Mario 64. Yeah, 100%, man. But, you know, it's a reference that you still understand. And hopefully most people here do. Um, But it's true. The only time that we've seen Ollie Lee play play genuinely well for a sustained period of time is when Peter Haring's alongside him. He wasn't able to do that when Haring went out and that eventually led to a massive bit of frustration for Craig Levine and him getting punted to Gillingham because he could not find the performances as when he had Haring alongside him. Yes. And, you know, I still harbour hopes that that can still be a partnership now even though it's much further down the line. This is like Lethal Weapon 5. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, Haring's had his fucking shoulder dislocated 50 times, like, you know, uh, all these Murtaugh for some reason. And, like, Haring certainly has a haircut that suggests uh, (laughs) late period Mel Gibson. 100%. And, um, yeah, for me, as it stands right now, I don't think Haring is fully fit to start and finish games yet. I would go for Irving and Halliday and see if that works um, mm. as our best partnership. I don't think Lee and Irving works. I don't think Lee and Halliday works. We know that Lee and Haring works. Let's try Irving and Halliday and see if that is the, the magic combination. Um, we've got a big game coming up next week, and if we start with Lee and Halliday, I have fear. Yes, yes, certainly. Um, there, there are elements in that midfield that we'll uh, get on to. Yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, one last thing to pick out from this game that I thought was uh, interesting to talk about was the way the fullbacks performed. Um, Kingsley, much quieter than he was last week, clearly. Um, uh, Smith, good and tidy with a lot of um, some very good uh, diagonal balls uh, across the pitch to create uh, attacking opportunities, but neither of them really got across the halfway line. So my question to you, Robert Borthwick, is do you think this was by coaching design because we were playing away or was this the performance of Arbroath that dictated that they stay further back? bit of both. I think it was a reaction to the way that Arbroath were playing. Arbroath will pretty much always play 4-4-2. That is Dick Campbell all over. He's like, I will play two wingers, I will play two strikers, try and beat us. And that's essentially what happened, which meant that you know, unlike uh, Dundee, where they, they did have wingers of sorts, they didn't really. It was more of a midfield three mm. uh, and a back three with sort of wing backs. It meant that naturally the, the fullbacks will be further back. Uh, Hibbs 
I'm, I'm trying to remember what they're playing this season. I think it is pretty sure it's a back three with McGinn, Hanlon and Porteous and then Doig on the left of the, the wing back. I think honestly it changes game to game, but we'll we'll get there. Let, let, let's let's keep talking about our growth for, for just a second longer. Absolutely. I think um, it's not a real surprise that our best attack in the first half came from a 1-2 between Smith and Kingsley. Yes. When they both actually did get over the halfway line. I, I wouldn't say they never got over the halfway line. I think Smith was... Smith was sort of battling and, and trying to get his way up the pitch. Um, more down to the fact that Janelli had gone off, which meant that we didn't have an actual winger. Mm. Fear was still on the park, which meant that Kingsley was allowed, essentially, to, to stay further back. He didn't have to overlap. But against a 4-4-2, you do want to have that security of having a guy further back. So I think it's it was both by design, I think they would have trained for that, but also just in a reaction to how the game was going. Uh, our both were breaking really well on us, which meant that having fullbacks back there was definitely preferable. Okay, enough doom and gloom. Let's have a wee bit of dessert and talk about Craig Whiten's finish. Great finish. Great finish. And I quite enjoyed the fact that it was from a very similar position that Boyce snatched it. Um, I think that so many people expected to come into this season with Liam Boyce scoring all the goals and being the man. And then Craig Whiten basically shows him how to score a goal. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really interesting. I, I think that... Once again, you know, he came on in a position that is foreign to him, a position that doesn't play his strengths on the right wing, but he still got into decent positions. He still won a couple of corners for us from that position. Uh, he was still making their defenders work. And if we're going to get one thing out of Craig White in this season, it's 110% effort. And he put that in again. And like I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, if you put in that effort, you'll get your goals. That's what happens. It's a natural thing that if you work really hard, you'll get the chances. And it was wonderfully put away. I mean, that's it shouldn't be understated how hard that is to, mm. to be able to do that on the run, the ball coming over your shoulder and being able to judge it, get enough loft on the ball and enough power on the ball to then get it beyond the defender that's naturally going to be going back and, and trying to cover it. Fantastic goal. Um, absolutely, again, delighted for him. That's his first league goal for us now. Um, and yeah, it's it's again showing that we have a viable option that behind Liam Boyce in the league to, to score goals. And yeah, good for him. Well, that's uplifting. Yeah. So with that joy in our hearts, let's look ahead to next week. And what fixture do we have, Robert? It's the Edinburgh Derby in Glasgow. Oh. Fuck it. Okay. Bring okay. on. Fuck it. Right, well... You may be detecting this already, listeners, but we have slightly different uh, approaches to our, our, our outlook on this game. Robert is bullish. Always. I am uh, cautiously pessimistic. No, I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm terrified. Uh, Hibs have been very good this season, and I think their strengths directly prey on our weaknesses. What strengths are they? Their strengths are certainly... In central midfield uh, with Gogic, I think he'll sit on uh, Jamie Walker's lungs and not let him do a single goddamn thing. Uh, the energy of Martin Boyle going up. Now, yeah, going against Kingsley, but we haven't seen Kingsley really be tested as much from that perspective. Uh, and just a really very strong and canny centre-forward partnership against our still... V- charitably nascent central defensive partnership it's Hibs interesting rebuttal and uh, I, I take the point could you care to elucidate yeah I, I have grown up uh, in an era whereby being scared of Hibs is tantamount to fuck I don't know complete cowardice um, never be scared of Hibs 
It's just Hibs. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to bear in mind that behind all of this, it's Hibernian. And so often in the past, it's been like, oh, oh, that's a good team they've got there. That's a good team. And then they do nothing with it. When they won the Scottish Cup, it wasn't a particularly good team. Now they have got a good team. I'm actually more, <laughs> I'm more optimistic. <laughs> it's, listen, if, nah, nah, it'll be a cold day in hell when I'm scared of Hibs. Um, I think they do have a good team. I think they have started the season very well. Uh, I think that at Hamden, uh, against Hearts, they've not got a good record in the slightest. I think that we, <laughs> that's, that's certainly true. Yep, I think we definitely have ways to, to get at them as well. I think um, we will certainly be very up for that game. Uh, I think Robbie Nielsen has got a glint in his eye uh, whenever he talks about that game. We'll be up for it. Uh, we'll be in their faces. And I don't see why not. Just to be clear, we are playing this at Hamden. We're not like playing it like Murrayfield Ice Rink or anything like that, just for just for shits and giggles. Playing at Hamden, empty. But yeah, why not, man? Fuck it. Oh well, I mean that's a compelling argument. Let's get it fucked. Yeah. Um, do you want to speculate about what sort of team we might play if Janelli's not available? Do you think we might Craig, choose to go more narrow with like a diamond, perhaps, or do you think we'll find some? Some square pegs to bash in those round holes. I think we have. Um, Rowan Nielsen loves four two three one. He bloody loves it. He loves it to the extent that the players probably love it by now as well, because that's what they'll be training for. I think we saw a three at the back against Wraith Rovers, but that's because we played a third string, <laughs> uh, and you know we were kind of getting minutes and legs in that game, so we had to find a formation to make it fit. Gordon and goals. Smith at right back. Popescu, Halkett, Kingsley. Please, Irving and Halliday, please. Please. Irving and Halliday. Uh, I think he will play Walker, Naismith and Roberts as the three. And I think mm-hmm. he will play Liam Boyce up front. I think Naismith will come in at number 10. Uh, I think Walker will play uh, on the right-hand side, drifting. Wideish. Wideish, drifting. Um, and Roberts will play on the left-hand side. I think that there's a slight danger there if Hibbs play Doig instead of Stevenson. Mm-hmm. on the left because Doig will barrel up that uh, right hand side which means we might need to swap over Roberts because he is quite a defensive winger anyway uh, and he'll be able to track him but otherwise I think that will be the team um, I hope that will be the team with Irving and Halliday in the middle I'm not sure Halliday's up to it yet we'll see well that's our thoughts Robbie please enjoy them please enjoy them so um, <laughs> funnily enough now um we were discussing earlier potential mans of the matches, men's of the match. Men's of the match. Men's of the match. And we haven't even really mentioned his name so far, but uh, I I thought, and I put to you, that uh, Craig Gordon was the most impressive player across the 90 minutes just from the various saves he made, particularly in the first half. I mean, uh, the snapshot that Dylan had at the near post particularly, but just generally... Uh, relieving the pressure that are both put on us without looking like he was vaguely troubled at all. He was incredibly cool. That that little dinked pass he played to Kingsley. Oh yeah, I mean it's he's he's yeah. He, he looks like he's very much enjoying his football. Uh, and I think a lot of goalkeepers who have been patched out in their previous club to second choice and then coming in and being first choice, you kind of see that they've got a little a little sort of thing about them and Craig Gordon certainly has that about him I think he was a lot quieter in the second half mainly because they didn't really do much in the second half in terms of chances Um, I think other candidates Craig Halkett played very well he was probably our most creative player 
Uh, Certainly. Through the middle of the park, he was more creative than Ollie Lee, he was more creative than Halliday. Um, He had one beautiful surge where he got to about 30 yards out. I was just willing to keep going, but it it fizzled out. It fizzled out like Daniel Jones for the Giants. (laughs) Yeah, a reference everyone will understand. Everyone everyone is desperate to hear. Genuinely, uh, listen to this podcast, look up Daniel Jones' run against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's fucking really funny. But uh, Halkett, I think, is, is in with a shout. Michael Smith played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it does have to be Craigie G. Very well. We have spun the bottle. It has selected me to go first to sing about the gorgeous, the wonderful, the heartwarming Craig Gordon. He's just aged so well. Just, oh. God. Mm. Mm. Slam Al jumps under any cross. Colin Doyle has the strength of an aging woodlouse. So this heartthrob is our old new number one cause hearts need Craig or Dan. Oh, hearts need Craig or Dan. He's gonna stop some goals. Gordon, Ooh. he won the cup, his beard is strong, oh hearts need Craig Gordon, oh hearts need Craig Gordon. Very good, bit of a stretch at some stages, <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure you called him Gordon at one stage there, but I, 10 out of 10 for song choice, Thank at you. the very least, that was, uh, no I really enjoyed that. Thank I really you. enjoyed that. It's not quite your waiting song. <laughs> but honestly, whatever will be. Whatever will be. Oh, nothing. I should retire, but I won't. No, no. That is six straight years we've been doing this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Non-stop. Do you remember last year when I did songs for uh, uh, Ryo Meshino every single week, whether he played or not? In Japanese. Yeah, it was quite something. But, you know, the the people get what they want and that's that's what they got. Absolutely. Don't try and find those podcasts. Just take our word. Now it's time for my song about Craig Gordon. Yay! Okay. When we find ourselves in times of trouble, a handsome goalie comes to me, making saves of wisdom, Craigie G. Last year we had Joe Pereira with wrists and arms of Papa Doms. Thank fuck we replaced him, Craigie G. Craigie G, Craigie G. Craigie G, oh Craigie G, just so fucking handsome, Craigie G. And when Pereira left, we wondered, will we go back to Bobby? Then there was an answer, Craigie G. Against the Rovers, Ross Stewart started, surely he's not here to stay. Then we've got an answer, Craigie G. Craigie G, Craigie G, Craigie G, oh Craigie G, just so fucking handsome, Craigie G. Thanks, Shin. It was longer than usual, Yeah, but um, the lines that you had at the end, take it. Well done on your victory, Robert Borthwick. What about delivery? Well done on your victory, Robert Borthwick. Yes. So, we come to the beef report. It's too easy. It's it, too easy this week. <laughs> I mean, it really is. What, what, what could we possibly have against 
uh, if I'm reading this correctly, Hibernian? Fo- Hibernian Football Club Club. That's the ones. Um, I mean, my, my message is, is, my message is one, my message is pure. My message is as clear as you could possibly get. Fuck the Hibs. <laughs> Fuck them rigid. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck the Hibs. I think my main bone of contention against Hibs this season uh-huh. is that um, Morris Ross, not Morris Ross, Jack Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Morris yep. Ross has been in my head. He's like, oh, that's a different story. Yeah. Jack Ross uh-huh. dresses like the English professor who uh, suggests to his young female students that maybe they uh, grab a drink back at his place, have a wine, and really discuss the merits of his story she really thinks you've got talent oh my god <laughs> he's uh, he look he looks creepy <laughs> yeah no good I'm, I'm glad you went for the analogy before just saying creepy um yeah there's a lot of knitwear he goes for mm-hmm. uh, he likes mm-hmm. a he likes a cardigan um looks like the sort of guy that that shops only in cause um the uh, the the menswear shop you haven't heard of it i've not heard of cause okay uh, Ian, no. Green, Ian Greenhill's own. Uh, remember him? Oh, yeah. He'll be very annoyed because he loves cause. But it's true. Uh, Jack Ross. <laughs> I've heard of <laughs> I've heard of sin and tan, but not cause. I'm afraid. Ah, oh, very, very good one for our maths marks listening to the show today. Of which there are probably many. Tens. Tens. Tens of them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing new I can say about Hibs, really, is there? Mm. They're fucking self-righteous bullshit. Oh, we're the poet laureates of Scottish football. Fucking jump on one. Shut up. Yeah. Irvine Welsh supports the Proclaimers. Nobody cares. We're almost as good as Aberdeen this season. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not but quite. No, no, no not, yeah. not quite as uh, potent as Marley Watkins. Absolutely not. Um, no, yeah, just, uh, yeah, fuck them with a big hard stick. Great. Let's get right on that next week. Yay. Uh, in the meantime, find us on Twitter at mm-hmm. We Have No Cares. Find yep. Robert individually at RF Borthwick. Find me individually at Nicole Hay. Email us. Someone email us. Give us a sign. Honestly, they might have emailed. I've not checked in the last week. <laughs> I haven't checked them since 2015. <laughs> uh, but whatever you do. Imagine please. there's loads of them. There's like so many amazing suggestions to make this podcast better. And we're just like, yeah, email us, whatever, man. Why does nobody ever do it? Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, please, please, please fuck the hips. Yes, please do that. And, you know, just, just one more time. Steve Crawford. Steve Crawford. Ah, oh, yes, indeed. It's fun time. Fun time. Fun time. Gute Flanke von Hemmel. Achtung, die Schotten im Strafraum, den 2-2 für. Was für ein Weihnachtsgeschenk. Robbie Nielsen. It was uh, difficult. What's difficult? We've just got to beat them again, don't we? Yeah, 